0: Good morning, everyone. You say, what are you doing up there? Um, This is kind of a picture of what I'm talking about in Nehemiah. Ezra was up above the people. If I was down there, I wouldn't be up above the people. And it's not the person, it's the Word of God. The Word of God is to be lifted up above the people. So... This is a pulpit. A pulpit lifts up the Word of God. All right, we're in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning. So you can turn there in your Bible or get there on your device or however you carry the Word of God with you. Nehemiah chapter 8. The theme of Nehemiah chapter 8 is the worship of God and the word of God and those two are connected together they're really close if you read the word of God you'll be drawn to worship God and in worshipping God you're drawn to the word of God so those two are connected they're they are really close The key point I want to bring up first is you can only truly worship God when you are in obedience to God. Key point one. Key point two, you can only truly be in obedience to God by hearing from God and choosing to obey God. Adam, the first man, he heard from God. But he chose to disobey God, so he lost his opportunity to worship God and be with God in Genesis 2. Now, hearing from God, being that gives you the opportunity to know how to obey God and to worship God. In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, I'm, I'm sorry, in Genesis 6 through 8, Noah heard from God. And Noah obeyed God. And it says that Noah built an altar and worshiped God. So Noah knew God. And of course, he wanted to worship God. If you know God, you want to worship God. Genesis 22, Abraham heard from God and obeyed God. It says that Abraham said, I am a lad, will go yonder and worship. He was being obedient to God. He understood God. And he went and worshiped God. The word of God brings on the worship of God. The word of God brings on the will of God. You can't know the will of God in your life without the word of God. The word of God brings on the work of God. If you're determined to be in God's will, you'll probably also be in the work that God has, the work that God's doing. God is responsible for and very accomplished at bringing his word to man. He's really good at that, bringing, the word, bringing his word to man. We indeed are without excuse, as it says in Romans 1.20, you know, how, how abundant, have you thought of that? How abundant is the word of God? I mean, we all have at least one copy of it, I imagine, and probably more. We are blessed with the word of God. We really are. It is God speaking, and it is written down. You know, God didn't just speak, he wrote it down. There's a reason for that. He wanted it to be kept for the next generation. God's word is written down for us. Otherwise, it would have been lost a long time ago and we wouldn't have a copy of it. Let's just take a moment and consider those that don't have the written word of God. Can they hear from God? Yes. I read in Isaiah 49, 1 through 6, God uses his people to light up the nation's and that's ha- that happened with the children of Israel. You know, when they disobeyed, they was dispersed among the nations, but they still carried their God with them, the God of the universe, to these nations. And also, yes, consider Psalm 19, 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God. Declare, speak, or inscribe, It's an inscribed record. It's written down, so to speak. A declaration from the heavens of the glory of God. Sounds like the word of God. Okay. And, you know, Paul, he kind of heard from heaven too, didn't he? And it changed his life. So... God can can reach us, and he wants to. He's all about it. Look, pretty much anyone on earth, anywhere on earth, can look up and see the heavens as referred to here in Psalm. I think that's right. No matter who you are, no matter where you live on earth, I'm pretty sure you can see the sky. I'm just saying that makes sense to me. So what is our responsibility who have the written word of God? Jesus stated it well in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, spread the gospel. That's our responsibility, spread the gospel. You know, if we do that right and consistently, we might see people come to Christ and we might see people that want to get discipled and we might have someone new sitting beside us, there's a lot of empty seats here, maybe if we were more consistent about the work God has for us, we could see more people here worshiping with us, studying the word of God on Sundays. So we're to spread the gospel, and we're supposed to teach what we know from the word of God. We aren't here just to learn, we're here to, to teach also that that's what happens here. Before I got saved, you know, I read some in the Bible, but I didn't understand it. I didn't really understand it until I got saved and had the Holy Spirit of God in me and had good teaching and discipleship. Then you can understand what God is really saying to you The worship of God has a lot to do with the understanding of God. I mean, how can you know God and not want to worship him? I can't, you know. Knowing God makes me want to worship him. He's incredible. He's incredible. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we see the worship of God and the teaching of the word of God. All right. Could I ask you please to stand up while I read Nehemiah chapter 8? Nehemiah chapter 8 And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. So he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Metathiah and Shema, and Ananiah, and Uriah, and Hilkiah, and Maasaiah, on his right hand, and on his left hand, Pideah, and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem, and Hashbadana and Zechariah, and Mishulam. And Ezra opened a book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people." And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Joshua and Bani and Shobiah and Jamin and Acab and Shabbatiah and Hodijah and Maasaiah, and Keletah, and Azariah, and Jezabad, Hanan, Pellaiah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading Let's stop there for a minute. You may sit down. The first thing we see as a people of God gather together to worship is they need the word of God. They need the word of God. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street was before the water gate and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, the word of God, God's word, not only spoken, but written down. God gave his people his word in writing. In, Mal- in Malachi 4.4, remember the law that God gave Moses. So he gave the law to his people, and it was written down. He had scribes that would copy it, so they'd have copies of it. These were Levites. The Levites got no land inheritance. They got God was their inheritance. They connected to God for the people, the priestly tribe. Ezra was a Levite. Ezra was a ready tribe, it says in Ezra 7, six. Ezra the scribe had a copy of the law and statutes and judgments of God. Ezra had the word of God as they knew it in that day. uh, Nehemiah chapter 9 gives an overview of how much of the word of God they had, which was basically the Old Testament up through the end of the captivity of the children of Israel. They had a huge... Old Testament. They had a lot they had a lot of the word of God, even back then. And the written down word was obviously important to the New Testament, to the church, too. You can read in Revelation 2 and 3, God specifically speaks to his church and it's written down. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, right, The angel of the church of Sardis, right, To the angel of all the different churches write. God wants it written down. Here's a key point. It is important to God that his people have his word written down. That needs to be emphasized. We have it written down. Remember, God called Moses up into Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, and gave him two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Deuteronomy 9.10. According to all the words which the Lord spake, God spoke to the children of Israel. Then he wrote down his words to the children of Israel. The writing was a writing of God written with the finger of God. It says in Exodus 31, 18, 32, 15, and 16. Deuteronomy 9.10. So God didn't only speak his word, he made sure it was written down. God told Moses to put the tables of the written word in the ark for safekeeping, preservation. Now, isn't that cool? That's why we have it today, you know, because it was preserved. It could have been spoken and written down way back then and lost, right? God says, no, keep it in safekeeping, And so it'll be available because God can look ahead. He's in every age, and he saw the church coming, you know, and he he wanted his church to have the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says that all scriptures given by inspiration of God, thank you, Lord, God... God inspired his word to be written down and and be scripture. And that's why it's called scripture. It's written down. Scripture is a document of holy writ. It is a holy writing. writing. Scripture is a holy writing. It describes what a holy God is saying to man. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost in 2 Peter 121. Scribes wrote down what the holy men said and kept it for us in Scripture. I don't know about you, but I'm happy about that. I'm just happy that in 2023 we can have the, the Word of God. We can pick it up every morning. We can just sit down with it and be... Be with God. Thank you, Mark. And be with God and start our day off with God. Ezra was a ready scribe. He was ready to copy or write down all that Moses had received from God. The book of the law was kept in the side of the ark. This is in Deuteronomy 31, 26. If you look up ark, ark is a box or a chest or a coffin it's, it's God's sa- place of safekeeping. An ark is God's place of sa- safekeeping. Um, God had Noah build an ark and put him in it for safekeeping. It's, it's, it's a place of safekeeping. The written word was that important. It had to be kept safe. And that's what we're to do, keep it safe. It was a covenant, a testament, an expression of will. It's God's will for His people. Now let's see what's happening here in the book of Nehemiah. God's people have just come out of 70 years of captivity. They disobeyed. They had to go to time out for 70 years. They have returned to their homeland. They have rebuilt their temple. They have rebuilt the city wall. They have set up worship. All the people have gathered together in unity as one man. They have unity. That's one of our principles. What we're going to see is there's a lot of similarities between in Nehemiah, the worship of God, and now here at MBT. And that's one, unity. Whenever God's people have come back, to him, to the place God has for them, a place of blessing, they come to a place of worship. When the children of Israel came back to their homeland, they came back to a place of worship. And when we backslide, when we go astray, when we leave God behind, we don't consider much about worship until we come back and we're renewed and we're back with our brothers and sisters and we're gathered together as one man. Then we feel the need to worship because we come back to a God that loves us. And that's the way here, when the people came back to their homeland, back to God, back to a place of blessing. God gives us a place of blessing, you know, and that's what we need to be thankful for. That's one good reason to worship God. He gives, us, he gives us a place of blessing. The people cannot hear from God without the word of God, either through the prophets, holy men of God, or Jesus, the living word of God, or the written word of God. Let me read from Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at sundry times, different times, and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. And that's, that's what we're reading here in the Old Testament. Holy men of God spoke as, as they were inspired. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also. He made the worlds. So God was always able to speak to man. The people of God were taken captivity into Babylon and have returned home to, to a place of blessing, like I said, a place of worship, a place where they can enjoy their feasts that the Lord has ordained for them. That's part of their worship was the feast and the celebrations that God uh, told them to have. Okay, this was the first day of the seventh month. The last verse of chapter 7 tells us that. And when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities, and they're going to gather together to worship. This was a time of worship to the Lord of Israel. This was one of the three feasts that the children of Israel had to keep the Lord every year. This was a Sabbath, a holy day, a holy time, this feast is a celebration of the God that Moses met in the mountain. And, and he heard the words of God. And what you find in Exodus 34 is Moses heard the words of God. He learned the worship of God. He learned the will of God. And he learned the work of God. In, all in Exodus chapter 34. We see all of this in Nehemiah also. We see all this in Nehemiah chapter 8 for the Old Testament people, and we see this for the New Testament people of God, the church. Okay, the first thing they need is the word of God, the book of the law. This is a Sabbath, like I said. It's a holy day. They're gathering together to worship. They need the word of God. So do we. When we gather together for worship every Sunday, we need the word of God. Where would we be? Without it. How could we worship without it? Where would we be? So this is a similarity. Just like we bring the word of God to worship, they did. We need that. The word of God gives us unity. If we all agree on what we learn from the word of God, which is what's taught in MBT, taught for the pulpit, taught in classes, taught in discipleship, then we would be in agreement. We'd be in unity. We'd be, as it says here, as one man. And that's the that's similarity between then and now. That's one of the similarities. The Word of God gives us one mind, so we can all think in the same direction according to the Word of God. We can gather together as one in worship. So they brought the book, and Ezra the Jewish priest, he had the book. Ezra was a scribe. He was a priest. He had the word of God as it was in those days. The very first thing that they did was the people of God gathered to read from his word. The word of God was a center of worship. It says here that they listened. They were attentive in verse 3. It says that they were attentive and everybody gathered together that could understand. So that, that's, you know, we don't have kids in our grown-up worship. We have kid town. The reason for that is we, we learn from the Word of God. The Word of God is taught. Well, on a kid town level, the Word of God is taught too. If you had some of the kids up in the main service, they might struggle to understand what is being taught. So the teaching that goes on for the adults at a lower level goes on for the children. So we're all in unity. We all grow together in the Word of God. And uh, (laughs) it was read from sun up till midday. That's... It's kind of a long service, sun up to midday. I mean, the pastor talks about us maybe wanting to hurry and get home and eat some chicken, you know, well, yeah, they sat a long time before they could go home and eat their chicken. And what you notice too is the pastor had people standing with him, and we should do the same, we should stand with our pastor. We should stand unified with him. It says here that there was six on his right hand and seven on his left hand. And you say, why was there six on his right hand and seven on his left hand? Well, that's easy. Six plus seven is thirteen. That's all I got for you. I don't know why there's (laughs) thirteen. You know what is cool, though, is numbers. Six is a number of man, right? Lost man. Seven is a number of completion or rest, the seventh day, the day of rest. This is interesting that the man of God stands with the word of God with the number six, lost man on one side and rest on the other side. It's like you can go from one side to the other through the word of God, you can go from your lost state to a state of being with God in his rest. So uh, that was, that was kind of cool. Just, to my mind, everything that's written in the word of God is placed there just like that for God's reason. So I say, Lord, what's the reason for that? Then I try imagining things. So that's my imagination right there. That's that's it. That's how I imagine it. Okay, next, the word of God was shown reverence. It was shown reverence. This is important. It was placed in high regard. It was deeply respected. It was lifted up above the people. Verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, not for his sake, for the word of God's sake. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. So that was a picture, an example of what we did. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. Do you know it blesses the Lord? to worship Him, to read from the Word of God. You want to bless the Lord? Get into the Word of God. That that will bless the Lord. I got to ask you, do we respect the Bible? Do we place it in a high position? I was talking to Linda when we was in Pakistan to visit James and Rosie and the kids. We went up way up in the mountains to a place called Naran. It was hard to get to because it was early and the the snows were melting from all the mountains and they cross over the road and they freeze. So there was ice glaciers across the road. But James checked it out ahead of time. He said, I think we can get up there. I says, okay, you know, let's do it. And there were places where they actually cut through the ice glaciers higher than, than a car, just so you could get through. And we went as far as we could. They didn't go beyond Naran at opening up the road because there was just too much snow and ice up there. So there was this hotel up there. This was a like a tourist place. It was a place that people actually went to just there was a park up there, you know, in nice weather. They'd go there just, just to vacation, just to have fun. And there was a nice hotel there. And Lynn and I, James and Rosie and the kids was hanging out before we went to our room. And just for the fun of it, I said, hey, I wonder if there's a Gideon's Bible in our room. And Rosie said, no, but there is a Quran." And here's where you'll find it. You'll find it at the highest point in the room. High and lifted up. So we went in our room and looked around. And there was this armoire. And up on the top of it, on the corner, sat a book. So I grabbed a chair and reached up there, and it was the Koran. So they respected their word of God. They respected that, and I thought, man, you know, I take my Bible home and i I said it in a low place a lot of times, man, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't mean to do that, but it we just don't have the respect that we should have for the word of God, and I knew the I knew the Bible was important before I got saved on a farm we had A regular schedule. The same thing happened every day. And after we got done with the morning chores, we went for breakfast. And sitting right by Dad's place at the table was his Bible and our daily bread. So each day he would open that up and he would read the day's uh, writing for that day, whatever it's called. And then the the scripture for that day and I thought, hey, this book must be important. And after I got saved and started studying that, I found out, yeah, this is true. It's really important. But here's the deal. These people reverence God. They reverence his book. The people stood up when the book was read. They built a pulpit so the word of God could be above the people. And we do that today in our worship um, this thing was sitting down here, that's not exactly the picture in Nehemiah. The pulpit is not just the part you stand in front of, it's part you stand on, too. So, but we do that in our church. We have a place above for the, the preacher with the word of God to speak. The word of God is lifted up. So that's similar. They say an Amen, Amen, and we do that lifting up of hands, we do that, so there's similarities here, but I think the I think the main thing is in in this under this heading right here is do we respect, do we lift up, do we reverence the word of God and I know it's just a book with pages and ink bound in leather, or it could be on an app and something something here, you know, a device. But the deal is, do we reverence what is said? Do we reverence what God is saying to us? Do we get alone with God in the morning and actually read and have God speak to us personally? Do we actually get in a place where we're saying, thank you, Lord, bless you, Lord, and actually spend a little time in worship, worshiping the Lord. The reading of the word of God caused them to worship. And brother, did they ever worship? These are our spiritual ancestors, you know, here gathered together. They're our spiritual ancestors. There are the Old Testament believers. And they were in one mind in unity around the Word of God. Here's a key point. The Word of God brings on the worship of God. The proper reading and understanding of the Word of God teaches us what a mighty, merciful, and loving God He is. Once you learn all of this about God, you, you really can't help but love God. And, you know, you might say, I love the Lord. God says, I love you more. God loves us. The word of God gives us reason to worship. The word of God gave them reason to worship. They could read the songs of their beloved King David, such as Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Man, that's, that's the Lord I want. Psalm 1846, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. He's high and lifted up, and in our hearts, and in our minds, and in our lives. He needs to be high and lifted up. The gathering of the people of God around the word of God to worship God blesses God. Verse 6, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. God was blessed. God loves it when his people get together and worship him. Okay, the word of God is studied and taught. Verse 7 lists 13, 13, well, 13 Israelites that helped the people understand the law. This would be like our pastors that preach and teach the Bible at midtime from the pulpit and in our Bible Institute. They were doing that, they were serious about teaching and preaching, understanding and learning the Word of God. I think I read understanding twice in the first three verses. So it's important that they not just read it, but they read it to the, so that it can be understood. We're told in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The children of Israel were taught to meditate, That's In the Old Testament, that's a similar verse to 2 Timothy 2.15. I didn't write the reference down, but they were told to meditate, which can mean study on the book of the law. The reason was to obey it, obey it. They had a final authority. We have a final authority. We don't just study for the accumulation of Bible knowledge. We study it to obey it and teach others. That's why we learn the word of God, to obey it and teach others. Look, we don't want the next generation to be ignorant and not involved in kingdom work. You know, this can be lost. This church, Midtown, can be lost in one generation. Did you know that? If we don't pass on the word of God, the study of the word of God, the understanding of the word of God, How can we obey God if we don't know God? How can we worship God if we don't know God? How can we not worship God if we do know God? If we know God, we learn of him from his word, from Jesus, who said, Go and teach what I have taught you. Jesus said, Go and teach what I have taught you. You know what Jesus taught us? This is what he taught us. He taught us the word of God. Go and teach what I have taught you. Hebrews 1:2, In half in these last days, spoken unto us by his Son, Jesus, the word of God, the word made flesh, Didn't Jesus walk among us, among men, and speak to us? Don't we have the written word that speaks to us all that Jesus taught? I don't know about you, but I got saved in these last days by the word of God. I learned of the love and mercy of God from the word of God. Psalm 118, 28, thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. 29, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then you go into Psalm 119, which is 176 verses dedicated and focused on the word of God specifically. Man, God is saying, hey, I am important. Listen to me. God is important. Listen to him. Indeed, the word of God brings on the worship of God. The more I know of God, the more I love God. Is that the way with you? The more you know of God, the more you love God. That's the way with me. This is what I so appreciate about worship here at Midtown. It's all about knowing the God of the Bible. It is all about knowing the word of God. That's what it's about. And worshiping. This is so much like Nehemiah 8.8, 8, This chapter. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. We're in verse 8 now. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Okay, distinctly, gave the sense, caused them to understand the reading. Distinctly, rightly divided, separate, disperse specific declare sting there's a sting to the word of god have you ever noticed that you could be reading the word of god and say woe is me (laughs) i got nailed right there hebrews 412 the word of god is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart it cuts you can't hide your heart from god you can't you can't hide your heart from god he can look in there The word of God can sting. It touches your heart. That's, look, that's why judgment day will be such a truth-telling day. You can't hide anything from God, you know? But God, oh, he already knows that. I'm in trouble, you know? Uh, So, you know, live so that judgment day is good. Live that way, how about Obey God, love God, honor God. So they read distinctly. They were not unclear. (laughs) They were not unclear. They gave the sense. The reading made sense. The Bible teachers brought the intelligence, the implication, the discretion, the knowledge, the prudence, the understanding and the wisdom of God of creation to the people. What university can you go to and learn all of that about the God of the universe? What learning institute is interested in drawing you into a closer relationship with the God that loves you? May I suggest Living Faith Bible Institute? I believe that is a focus there. Reading the word of God distinctly and giving the sense helps those that are attentive to understand the reading. Sit in church and be attentive and understand the reading. That's what they was doing here from sunup to midday. So we give you a short stay in the service, you know. It's not sunup till midday. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. Now, in the pulpit here and in LFBI, this is what we do. We teach the word of God. We give the sense, the distinction, the distinction. This helps us to understand our sin condition. This helps us to understand God's love for us. This helps us to understand God's will for us. When you understand God's love for you, you'll connect with his will for you. This helps us to understand the work. That's the next thing. The finished work that God did for us, the work that we could not do. There is work we can do, but we can't work for our salvation. We can work to see others get saved and accept Christ as their Savior. Understanding the word of God causes us to worship the God of the word. Understanding the word of God causes us to worship the God of the word. Conclusion, God is a good father to come home to. There's a homecoming someday. God is a good father to come home to. He is quite accomplished at communicating with us. Don't you love it when your father sits down and communicates with you? You can actually talk and communicate. He points out our sin in such a way that it grieves us. He calls us back to himself in love. His word gives us such understanding that we just want to worship him if you understand the word of god you want to worship god the word of god the worship of god it's all god it's all of god what can we do bow <laughs> praise god worship it's all of god psalm 106:2 who can utter the mighty acts of the lord Who can show forth all his praise? God can, actually. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are, Lord. Lord God, thank you that we have a Father that is you. Lord, you paid it all, and all to you we owe. And you gave us everything, and you keep speaking to us, and you keep reaching out to us. Father, we have no reason to walk away. We have a thousand reasons to come to you. Lord, it's easy to say, I love you, but Father, you proved it. And thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.